2: Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis. With attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your
0: head. I'd actually like to take this opportunity to wish...
3: Greg DeMarco Show. Best in all its future endeavors. (laughs)
2: James gang in the morning brings us in for another edition of the Greg DeMarco show up super early this morning, simply because the reason this show hasn't been released is because I haven't been able to record the opening. So I want to get this opening in and get this great show out to you. An amazing guest and chef Daryl Mack. You are going to love This conversation with him, you're going to learn a lot just about him and his lessons. And of course, we get to learn from his lessons and apply them to our own life, which has really been an ongoing theme here at The Greg DeMarco Show. So Kevin Gill in week one, Denise Salcedo in week two, and now Chef Daryl Mack here in week three. I'm going to briefly talk about week four here in a moment. But first, I want to remind you that this show, The Greg DeMarco Show, is part of the Chairshot Radio Network, which you can hear on thechairshot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Head on over to TheChairShot.com for all of your wrestling news, reviews, opinions, and analysis. Done with the attitude you've come to know and love. Great podcasts galore. Like Chair Shot Radio. The Hashtag Miranda Show. Bandwagon Nerds. Pot is War. DWI. Kurt Angle. Badlands. The Reaction. Outsider's Edge. So much more. Just head on over to TheChairShot.com and you... Will have yourself a damn good time. I assure you of that. Before we sell you some t-shirts, I, I, I got a question for you. It, it's, it's early in the morning for me I'm doing this, but I need to know, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you, Greg?
2: Oh, you know, I'm doing fantastic, man.
3: I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is the queen of soft style herself, Miranda Morales, co-host of Chair Shot Radio and the host of the Hashtag Miranda Show. And I'm here to tell you where you can find the best t-shirts around. Well, you can find them on prowrestlingtees.com forward slash shot. There you can find over 25 different styles, designs, and colors, all in support of thechearshot.com. Don't forget to pick up your Queen of Soft Style t-shirt. But also, you can pick up the hashtag Save Tag Team Wrestling, Baron Corbin Sucks, and the OG Chair Shot t-shirt. So go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot to get your very own t-shirt today. Again, that's ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot to get your very own chair shot t-shirt. And don't forget, get in in soft style.
0: I lie, I cheat, I steal I li-
2: This show and the Chairshot Radio Network are also supported by our good friends at Powerslam.tv Head on over to Powerslam.tv Use that promo code Chairshot to get a free month A free month, normally you get a free week But you use that promo code Chairshot at Powerslam.tv Get yourself one free month.
1: Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? 5 99 per month get your free trial today at powerslam.tv
2: again that's powerslam.tv promo code chair shot get your free month a whole free month you can try it out you're sitting at home we're in the midst of quarantine and you have an opportunity to watch some wrestling enjoy yourself and, and just have a good time at powerslam.tv use that promo code chair shot
1: ha <laughs>
3: ha ha
2: All right, about to come up with Chef Daryl Mack. Of course, Chef Daryl Mack is a lot of fun. You're going to love it. I've got a little snippet that I recorded for you on my off day. You're going to hear about the importance of an off day after me working out for 46 straight days here in quarantine. So I'm excited for you to listen to that. Next week's guest, I want to tease you a little bit, super excited about next week's guest. So the first three weeks of the show, we've had a very definite pattern of wrestling people, people involved somehow in pro wrestling, and we don't talk a whole lot of wrestling during that conversation because there's so much more to them than that next week we're flipping it around completely we are going to have a guest that has nothing to do with the world of professional wrestling but they want to come on and talk about wrestling so it's going to be very exciting to hear that you're gonna have a lot of fun with it and i'm just excited for you to hear it in general so hear me in the car and then let's listen to chef daryl mack
3: A little less conversation, a little more action, please
0: All this aggravation ain't satisfaction in me A little more bite, a little less bark A little less fight, a little more spark Close your mouth and open up your heart And may maybe satisfy me, satisfy me, baby Baby, close your eyes and listen to
4: the
5: music
4: I am in the car, which means it must be time for another edition of Driving with Demarco. Now, this Driving with Demarco is, of course, part of the podcast. Driving with Demarco used to be its own podcast, and hey, maybe if if things continue to progress and people keep listening and like the content that's coming out, maybe we bring it back. Who knows? Uh, Driving with Demarco could become its own thing again. You now, I'm, I'm open to everything. That's the great thing about being a content creator: is that sometimes you just create, you get inspiration. And you go, but I had Sunday, May the third. I'm on my way home from running an errand, so I thought this was a great time to hit up another driving with Demarco. It's actually a, the errand took me to the other side of town, so it's quite a long, uh, quite a long trek. But okay, it's 57 miles from my house to where I had to go, and, and now I'm on the way back home, which for Phoenix is not that big of a deal. But yeah, I used to make that trek to go to work in the past, so uh, I can only imagine now. Now I couldn't even imagine that, like. My normal work commute now is, is much less than that, and of course, now is in present day, COVID nineteen sitting at home. My work commute is three feet away from the bed, so that's also uh, a benefit there. But I wanted to talk to you guys in this driving with DeMarco. Uh, sometimes you got to think of a topic, inspiration hits. As you know, last week I was at the drive through of In and Out Burger, and thought it was the perfect opportunity for uh, to record and and add this onto the podcast. But today. I'm going back to what I talked about the first time. The first edition of what was the Greg DeMarco Show. We talked about the Rona routine, how I had changed my daily routine, continued to work out, continued to exercise. And that continues to go extremely well. But this past Friday, I changed it up a little bit in a very, very big way, at least for me. So just to recap, when, when shit hit the fan back on March 16th, which was a Monday, Um, That was my first day working from home. I went to the gym that night. The gym closed. After that, I literally, as I got into the car leaving the gym, that's when I got the email from EO's Fitness that they were shutting it down. I totally understood, but it kind of sucked, and I got a little worried. Like, what was I going to do? You know, my son had already, you know, soccer practice was going to be stopping. Like, a lot of things were changing, and all my opportunities to exercise were going away and all the habits that I formed everything that were around those habits were going away so I set some daily goals 20,000 steps per day one DDP yoga session a week later I added in body weight exercises which I continue to add to and I'm just doing fantastic like I'm not trying to brag or anything like that but it's going really well fast forward to Friday May the first and even a little before that I had set a goal for the month of April now, the month of March, you know, the goal came in halfway through. I wanted to surpass 600,000 steps for the month. That's in running and walking. And, and I did. I got to, like, 610,000. So I said, okay, well, April, we're going to surpass 700,000 steps. That's what we're going to do. And so I had to change my goal up from, like, I believe it became 22 to 23,000 steps per day. The goal was 23,000. I, I set a minimum of 22,000 just in case an off day happened. And continued to count and, and follow Police up from that. Police
0: reported ahead
4: oh by the way I have the GPS on so she may interrupt us and, and old listeners of Driving with DeMarco will remember that so I from there um, went through the whole month and as we hit towards the end of the month I knew I was going to surpass my goal before the end of April just because of how things had been going I had a four to 3,000 step day earlier in the month think around April 10th that was amazing it was, a, it was a Friday I had off that day and just totally stepped it up and spent the whole day making that happen And so I thought, you know, I was going to hit the the 700,000 steps and I knew I would do so uh, Tuesday of last week. And of course, Thursday was the last day of the month. So I knew that I had these two days that maybe if I wanted to to pair it back a little bit for a couple days, I could. Wednesday came along and and just same old stuff, man. I got up and, and continued to exercise. Thursday, continued to exercise. Now, Thursday was a crazy day at work because the way the meetings fell, and and just you know it's a busy time right now for us despite everybody working from home lunch didn't really happen for me on thursday and so the lunchtime road work didn't take place so i was really behind and worked really hard thursday night uh went over nine miles in one stretch to get all the steps that i needed in to get the miles that i needed in so just a hell of a day on thursday which was the last day of april now from there once we finished up the last day of april I decided that Friday, May 1st, I was going to do something different. Now, if you've listened at all, you know I have an accountability accountability partner, and part of that, whenever exercise takes place, we text. We text a picture, we text a description, we text something that's quote-unquote proof. Now, we believe each other, we don't need proof because we're not lying, but that's just part of the, the accountability portion of what we're doing. I'm looking at a car right now, by the way, it's half black, half white, right down the middle. It's kind of strange. I don't know if I like it or not. Jury's still out. Um, I probably won't see it very much longer. But, yeah, interesting design there. You and your in your Dodge Charger with your half black, half white car. Anyway, I digress. This is really driving with DeMarco at this point. But I ended up, um, got up Friday. Well, I was thinking about Thursday night. Hadn't fully made my decision. Friday morning, got up, and I didn't go work out. Didn't exercise. And so I didn't, didn't do anything steps i didn't do my ddp yoga i didn't do the bodyweight exercises and so when it came time to send my my text i sent a picture basically it's like a black a black room with a bright, white light shining it was an empty room and i sent it over and i basically detailed and here's what i detailed for 46 straight days i had gone at least 25,000 steps per day I, I not not at least there were some days where it was lower i averaged over 25,000 steps per day running and walking every single day I had covered over 500 miles for 30 of those 46 days I did actually more than 30 uh, over 30 days I did a full slate of bodyweight exercises for more than 30 of those days I did uh, 30 to 60 minutes of DDP yoga and so on Friday May the 1st I took the day off I didn't do anything I think I amassed I know I amassed 4,470 steps on Friday and that was literally just the normal course of the day and I'll be honest with you when I got up Saturday I felt phenomenal now here's the crazy thing about an accountability buddy an accountability partner they're there to know you know if I don't get uh an update I'm like hey did you do this today did you do yoga did you work out oh yeah here it is you know busy lives sometimes sometimes you you, you do something then you immediately on to the next thing and you don't get a chance to send it and then so when I sent that off I was like I'm not doing these things and, and here's why the response was what you would expect from a good accountability buddy it was basically like you have done phenomenal things over the past you know month and a half and i'm extremely proud of everything that you've accomplished and and all the progress you've made and, and just how mentally tough you've been to make sure you don't miss a day i'm even more proud of the fact that you knew that it was time to take a day off i thought about taking off like i said wednesday and thursday and i was just still super motivated And after going over nine miles Thursday night, I knew it was time to take that day off. And I did. I took that day off. Yesterday, Saturday, right back into it. Over 26,000 steps. Continue pushing. Already off to a good start today. This morning with, with, you know, the running and walking that I did this morning. Continuing to do that as we progress into the week. And then the week will be the week. and, And, you know, everything will be as I have been doing. So just wanted to give you that insight of course that's what this portion of the show is about it's a peek behind the curtain i opened the door and let you in a little bit and this was an opportunity for you to hear about what i did and where i'm going so enjoy this interview you got coming up with chef daryl mack it's already been recorded daryl montgomery just an amazing story uh, i learned a lot about him you know he was a fill-in as my guest uh, originally original guest kind of fell through and and, and wasn't hearing back and so I put out a call out and I've got a huge guest list now even more so than the ones that I had because everybody that I had guest wise was recommendations from others and who, who had been guests with me and now I put a call out for a substitute guest and got a bunch of responses and now I've got people who want to come on in general and so it's continuing to work so like subscribe and share the podcast please do and, and you know what? If you're listening and you're like, I got a good story. I want to be a guest. Hit me up at ChairShotGreg, Greg DeMarco at TheChairShot.com, TheChairShot.com forward slash Greg DeMarco. Dude, there's so many ways to find me. It's not even funny. And, and I check them all routinely. So definitely hit me up if you want to do something. I'm more than happy to do it. Chef Daryl Mack is not a celebrity. He's not even really a public figure, but he's awesome. You're going to love hearing him talk. You're going to love hearing what he has to say follow him at chef Daryl mack on social media as well you'll hear that more during the interview stay well enjoy the interview hit me up i'll hit you up and uh yeah again this coronavirus covid 19 uh, quarantine you know states are opening up but people are still mainly staying inside it's still that strategy just do what you can to come out of this thing better than the way you went in
6: Extremely pleased to welcome, that song brings in, uh, a gentleman who I think you're going to love getting to know, I'm going to love getting to know, and, and really what this kind of show is all about, which is learning about people, personalities, and seeing what we can learn from them, and that is Chef Daryl Mack, Daryl Montgomery. Daryl, thanks so much for coming on today.
5: Oh, man, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
6: Of course, you know, and, and this is, as, as we do this show, we've had different guests on, and, and some of our guests are, are public figures and there's a lot of information out there about them and it's super easy to have a lineup of questions prepared and all of that but one of the things that I'm excited for for this is I really want it to be what it's intended to be which is more of a conversation and and see where that conversation takes us obviously there are some things I know about and some things that are super easy to talk about but I also know that new things are going to as we as we move this forward. So we're going to have a lot of fun there just to give a timestamp because where we are in the history is very important as people might listen to this. Who knows a couple years down the road, we're recording this Sunday morning, May the 3rd, 2020, which is uh, of course for us right now, we're in the midst of a global pandemic COVID-19, the coronavirus, is impacting everybody's lives. And, and Daryl, how are you and, and and those around you, your family and everybody holding up during this time?
5: Well, currently I'm, I'm I'm doing well. I have nothing to complain about. Fortunately, I have not lost uh, my job. I, as you alluded to when we opened up the show, they call me Chef Daryl Mack. But I'm actually, I've been a maintenance engineer for the last 20 years, um, and I currently uh, work at a hotel. So I'm I, I'm able to leave the house every day and do what I do at the hotel and then come back home in the evening. So it's not as bad on me as it is a lot of people that you know have lost their job and having nowhere to go and stay in all day. So I haven't gotten what they call cabin fever. I get right. out every day. I so. Um, it's, it's been. I ain't gonna say it's been good, but uh, I've been. It's I've been coping with it, trying to make the best.
6: So you've been, you know, a maintenance engineer for 20 years. Um, and, and now, obviously, the environment you're going to, though, over the past seven weeks, going on eight weeks now, has to be very different, what, what you walk into every day.
5: Um, as far as the hotel, the occupancy level is down, down about 20%. 20%, we don't have a lot of people in the hotel. But considering what I do, it's always work for me to do. It's always something to do to Enhance the, I guess, the beauty of the hotel and make it better. So when we're able to go, come back into a a little sense of normalcy, which I don't believe that we will ever get back to what we knew before as being normal, we will have a new norm. Um, but it's it, you know, it is what it is, man. But my passion is cooking. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Definitely. My passion. My passion is cooking. And Uh, I know that. That's what. That's what I love to do.
6: So, and, and we're going to get to that momentarily. You mentioned the new normal and that I hear that phrase a lot. And, and I think a lot of people are calling what we're in right now, the new normal. And I refuse to, to call this the new normal. Like to me, this, this is, I'm doing everything I can to keep my mentality. That this is very temporary. Um, and, and it's not what it's going to be like, obviously I think the world is going to change when we come out of this. I agree with you on that. It's not, it's not going to be like it was. I don't think it can be, um, but but to me and I'm like you I get out every day. I work from home now uh, because of all this, but I'm out every day exercising, trying to get in a certain number of miles per day, just doing everything I can because I I can't be cooped up all day, man. I just I just can't do it. And right. so um I'm with you in that regard that you know getting out and doing that is good. When I do get out, not, there's a whole heck of a lot less traffic, which I can appreciate and <laughs> And, and like I said, you know, some some stores are crazy busy and others aren't. But, yeah, man, it's it's definitely crazy. So you did mention, and I'm glad that everybody's doing well. Actually, I did want to go back. I do know that I saw on social media, which, uh, you know, at Chef Daryl Mack, everybody definitely go follow. We'll, we'll mention that again towards the end. Um, you did make a post that you had a Zoom call with, with your kids. Yeah. And it seemed like that was a, a – Impactful for you?
5: Oh, man, I, I can't explain. All my kids are grown. I have four grown children. My youngest child is 30. My oldest is 38. And uh, three of my children live in Baltimore, Maryland. My second to the oldest son, he is a captain in the Army. And right now he is stationed in, well, he is in uh, Texas right now. But actually, he will be leaving to go to Kuwait in the next few days. Wow. So, by them, you know, they're grown, they have their own lives. They don't need me as much as they did, you know, like growing up when they were young. So, when I get the chance to interact with them and watch how they interact with each other, it it, bring, it, it does my heart good. And one of the, one of the reasons why I'm going to say that is because I have four children, like I said, but they buy three different young ladies. My wife and I have two sons. I have a 34-year-old son by a young lady, and I have a 38-year-old son. And I'm sorry, I have a 38-year-old daughter by another young lady. But I never had what they call baby-mama drama. My kids' moms always got along for the sake of the children. So my kids know one another. They interact with each other. They spend time with each other. They communicate with each other. So when I can get them on the phone together and... Just talking, nothing in particular. The conversation we were just talking, talking about different things. It 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 done my heart uh, really good because some I felt like I was I'm still needed to a degree, and I know that sounds right. strange. A parent, you might not understand that, but I, you know, even as they are adults, sometimes I want to feel like I'm needed, and they don't need me as much. So the call. Right, done more for me than 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 they than they really know, because I didn't get a chance to see them. Um, they three thousand miles away. I'm here pretty much by myself. Just to give you a little background, I moved out here in 2015 with my with my wife, and in 2019 my wife passed away. Mm. We were married for 30 years, and. She has been gone a year now, and, man, that has been the most challenging thing that I've ever had to do in my life to make some adjustments to do life without her. So I am um, uh, I still have moments. It's getting better, but that's just, you know, that's what, what it is. So now I'm out here in Phoenix, Arizona, pretty much by myself. I didn't want to move back to Baltimore, Um because I, I like it out here. I, like, I think it's a lot of money to be made out here. I like the weather out here. Um, I just like it. I can always go back to Baltimore, which I really don't have no desire to go back. But that is my home city. Maryland is my home state. Um, I have nothing but love for them, but I don't want to go back. I like it out here. I like it out no, here in Arizona where it's super hot, but I'm okay It
6: is super hot and and, and we're starting to get into that territory now which I understand. I did not realize that that your wife had passed away. I'm very sorry to hear that. I can only imagine what you know, that adjustment like you talked about after thirty years. I mean that is you know, that that that's one heck of a one, one heck of an adjustment to make. So you, you, sir, are doing a, you know, every time I've seen you, and and we didn't really meet until after that took place, but, I mean, you've always
5: been right.
6: positive, upbeat, Daryl, that we hear right now. So obviously yeah. there's right. something behind that, and you're doing a great job pushing through that. So condolences, and, and obviously, you know, you're, you're pushing through, so continue to hang in there. Yeah.
5: So and my wife um, was the one originally encouraged me to go to culinary school. I went to the quote-on-blue I was Scottdale. Uh-huh. I graduated with a degree in Calright arts in twenty sixteen and you know she 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 supported me she backed me uh she motivated me to 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 do what I had a passion for um if it wasn't for her uh, i I don't know if I would have done it because i'm fifty eight years old um and was it uh Three years ago, four years ago, I was and I was like, I'm too old to go to school. She was like, No, you're not. And she actually made the call to the quote on blue, set up the initial interview, and we went. And to be honest with you, man, it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. You know, going back to school and pushing myself and testing myself. And I went to school with a lot of young people. I was the oldest one in my class and I, I, I graduated at the top of my class. I never missed a day. I was never late. And I graduated with all A's. Uh, because I, looked at, I probably looked at life a little different or look at, looked at going to school a little different than they did because when you're 20, you think you got all the time in the world. But when you get to be my age, man, I'm on, a, I'm on the other side of 50, so my time is winding down. Even if I got 50 more years, it's still winding down. So i got to make the best of it. So and you of the things One of the things, Greg, that I, I learned during this situation with my wife passing, that when we out and about and we see people, you never know what people are going through. Because like you said earlier, you, if I didn't tell you that, you wouldn't know that. Right. You wouldn't know. Um, so you never know what people are going through. So I think it's best to always treat people with you know, with, with with respect because you... And, you know, a certain amount of being nice to people and speaking and always being pleasant because me walking around being mad and angry towards people at the passing of my wife is not going to bring her back. And she wouldn't want that anyway. So she would want me to keep moving. She would want me to make the best of my situation. And that's what I'm doing. And is it hard sometimes? Absolutely. You know, absolutely, man. I remember... When I, I took her back, she wanted to be cremated. I took her back to Baltimore. We had a homeboy service. And I went to the store and I bought a suit. And I'm trying to shoot on and look in the mirror. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I need my wife here. Because if she says, Daryl, that suit don't look right, that suit go back on the rack. I might think I look good. But <laughs> her, her opinion, her, you know, her opinion had value to me. So she said, Daryl, that suit don't look right. I take that suit off and put it back. But if she said, girl, that suit looks good on you, even if I thought, if even if I didn't think it did, I value her opinion, and I value what she said and what she said. And now that I don't have that, that's a big adjustment. That's a real big adjustment. But other than that, man, I don't really have nothing to complain about. My life is good. Uh, I don't have anything to complain. If I, if I started complaining, the Lord ought to strike me down because I'd be wrong. <laughs> I guarantee you there are people much worse, you know, than I am. But I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. And I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to come on your show and just talk a little bit about me. And hopefully the people that listen to your show, some of the wrestling fans, see me, you know, at the event selling food, I'm like, oh, that's that guy Chef Terrell Mack right there. Right? Yeah, I, I yeah. like it. <laughs> so,
6: obviously, you, you went to Le Cordon Bleu, and, and, and your wife played a huge part in that, but where does that love come from? Where does the love for cooking, the love for the culinary arts, which take us back to what really spawned that?
5: Um, actually, growing up as a kid, watching my, my mother and grandmother cook, probably when I grew up in the 70s, um, men just didn't really stay in the kitchen and cook. Women did all the cooking. But I was always fascinated with um, cooking, and as I got older and things started changing, it became more acceptable for men to cook. So, of course, the Food Network and all the wrestling shows are my favorite. So, I watched I used to watch them all the time. And I did most of the cooking in our home. Um, and what really started me cooking a lot. My wife and I raised our two sons in Memphis, Tennessee, and I will talk a little bit more about that later. Um, Memphis, Tennessee, and she worked for a company, uh, and she didn't get off till like six in the evening. Well by six I was I had just started in two thousand becoming a maintenance man and so I was on property. So it didn't make sense for me to wait for her. She'd get off at six and she didn't get home to seven to start dinner at the eight, eight thirty. So I had to so I learned how to whip up things. So that's where it sort of started. And then I found that man, I got a passion for this. I like this. Um, I like to make people smile when it comes to my food. And I, I like a, I like to cook. <laughs> and one day, my goal is one day to to make a living at cooking by working for myself. I never had the decide to be a chef in a restaurant. I just didn't. I always wanted to work for myself. I actually have a food cart, and I haven't used it in a while, but I want my goal is to have a food truck, and I got some other things on my plate that I'm working on. So, you know, that's, that's just what I like to do.
6: So that obviously you know, led to you eventually going to school. Now, you didn't go to school until many years later. How long were you talking about this? How long were you? I don't want to say putting it off, but I mean how long was this something you wanted to do before you dove in head first and did it?
5: Probably ten years. I believe my wife got tired of me talking about wanting to cook and, 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 and but you know, as time went on I was getting older. So in my mind I'm thinking, man, I am too old to go back to school. Too old to go back to school and it didn't it didn't really click until we moved out here in twenty fifteen. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm just assuming that in her mind says, you know what, I'm tired of him talking about cooking and going to school. Let's do something about it, or possibly going to culinary school. Let's do something about it. And like I said, she she took the initiative from me and called, contacted Quote on Blue out in Scottsdale and set up the appointment with the, with the uh, admissions people. And that's how I get Because if it was up to me at that time, I probably wouldn't have done it, only because, like I said, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm too old to go back to school. I was already 50, I'm 58. Uh, was it four years ago? So yeah. 55 at this time, 54. So it was probably oh, and, at, least, at least 10 years.
6: That's, well, I'm glad that you, you did it. I'm glad that you made that choice and did it. So when did you finish the program?
5: Um, yeah, um, December of 2016. So we did, okay. I did not graduate until March of 2017.
6: It's good You did because, I mean, so then, that thing wasn't around too much longer after that.
5: Right. They closed. I was actually in the last class. Wow. I was okay. actually in the last class, and I hate I hated to see it go. Now, internationally, the quote on Blue is still open, but right. here in the States, all of them uh, closed. And it was about yeah. –
6: a lot of it had to do with
5: money. You couldn't get the uh, government funding in terms of student loans anymore. And probably some other things, probably – probably some different variable factors that we probably won't know, but I was in the last class, and like I said before, and that was actually the best thing i ever done in my life. It challenged me. And sometimes you've got to be pushed to, you know, being, your comfort zone is no growth thing in your comfort zone. You have to come out of your comfort zone if you want to grow. And I had to learn that. Staying in, my, staying in Baltimore, I'm in my comfort zone. I know everybody. I know where everything at. Coming out here caused me to get out of my comfort zone and caused me to challenge myself. If I wanted something, I gotta go get it. It ain't gonna come knocking on my door. So with the help of my wife, here I am. You know, constantly yeah, uh, living my dreams.
6: That's good. That that. That's and look, you know,
5: Greg, I want to thank you. I, I don't know if I've ever done it, but I want to thank you for allowing me to be a vendor. It's your wrestling shows, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate
6: it. Oh, of course. Yeah, Daryl does the, the food vending for us at Impact Zone Wrestling. Um, I met Daryl at uh, Phoenix Championship Wrestling, a different wrestling company, and, and one of the people behind that company said, hey, you know, bring Daryl out to your shows. Daryl and I talked, and, and it's been great. Um, one of the, the, the greatest things I ever heard was after our, our show in February, at izw that was just we, we we ran out of chairs we had no seats left no anything and and just running on cloud nine and uh, of course i'm no shows i'm running around um like like a chicken with my head cut off like there's just stuff going on everywhere my wife laughed she was at that last show Uh she bought stuff from 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 you guys and she literally was just like watching you it was insane like you're always you're never standing in the same place very long just because you know there's so much that goes in to putting one of those shows on that wrestling fans don't understand. But when you texted me afterwards and and said, you know, just how, uh, how big of a, big of a day it was. I mean, that literally, you know, made, made it all for me. It basically, you know, at the time you said it was the best night you had doing a wrestling show. And that just warmed my heart up so much because we want everyone and anyone involved to find success in, in what they're doing. And and that's just the kind of business this is. So you, uh, doing, doing those shows means a lot to me too. So I appreciate you coming out and, and, you know, unfortunately two weeks from yesterday was supposed to be the next one. And, and on May 16th, yeah. and we can't do that, yeah. but August 29th, yeah. we will be back and, and, and we'll be doing it, doing it up just like always. So it's a part of this whole, you know, coronavirus thing for sure. So, so when you got into, so when you finished up culinary school and obviously you started, um, you know, repsies Kitchen Cuisine, what...
5: Um, Repsy is actually my mother's name. Okay. Repsy is my mother's name, and it's actually, and I did the research, it's only two people in the country right now currently with that name Repsy. One of them is my mother, and the other one is my god sister, which is named after my mother. Wow. And my mother got that name from her mother had a school teacher, and... North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina is where my grandma was from. Her name was Repsy, so that's an odd name. That's you. You might not know how to pronounce it, but you're not gonna forget it. Not at all. Because ain't, ain't something true. you yes, see that. all the
6: time. No, it's not. But it's it's definitely, you know, it has meaning for you. And and I'm not surprised. Everything you've told us already. Nobody should be surprised that that you named the company or the the, the cooking stuff after your mother and after things that have meaning yeah. for you because. You, you tend to keep things that have meaning very close which I love yeah. which I do love so what made you decide to, to go this route where you're, where you're doing events you're doing all that stuff talk to us more about just, just the cooking in general and the direction you decided to take it in, because there's so many different ways you can go
5: um, I've I, I realized that I am a, 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 I'm, a I'm a people person um, I like to talk sometimes I probably talk too much but I like to talk I like to smile. I like to see people. You know, I want the best for, uh, you know, everybody. I made a post on Facebook the other day that said, there's harmony in the world in everything except human relationships. So I can only do my part in that and try to uh, bridge the gap between human relationships. And to be honest with you, especially between, I'm going to say, black and white, or, or people of color and, you know, people that's different than than I am. Sometimes we have a tendency to stay in our own circle, in our own bubble, and we don't get the chance to, to, to know people outside of our immediate circle, and I don't want to do that. So uh, selling food, opposed to being a chef behind, you know, in a kitchen, Not, in, I like interacting with people. I, like I said before, I had I no desire. I still have no desire to work in the kitchen as a chef. I don't want to be behind closed doors. I'd to be out talking and speaking and encouraging and, and uh, making people smile. You know, because like I said, you never know what people are going through. And if you can say something to them or just speak to them and- you know, they, you can tell the look on their face, they're not having a good day, and you can speak to them or say something to them. Um, you never know what that'll do for people. So being out and about, like selling food at the event or, you know, when I have my food cart and I'm out on a corner somewhere selling food, that's what I like to do. Talk to people as I'm serving them, that kind of stuff.
6: Yeah, so it's just as much about the food as it is about the interaction and and doing all that because it seems like you Absolutely. know for a fact that you would hate to just be behind a grill somewhere and you know for hours on end and and just you know sitting there in the in the heat and and having all of that and just not you know that when you're done you haven't really talked to anybody you haven't really learned anything. So yeah, I understand that. Right. And and so that's why you've picked picked this route which is which is outstanding. I've only ever seen you at wrestling events. Um, what other kind of events do you tend to work at?
5: Oh well, mainly restaurants. I have a, um, I have served food at a, like different. I'm, I want to say carnival, but they not necessarily carnival. I met a guy that's a Native American. Um, his family put on a a uh, oh, man. It's like an event for for, for Native Americans. True. And he invited me to come out and sell food at, at, at that event. So that was successful. And I'm trying to I'm trying to do more of that or get connected. Between, what, what, typically between October and May, most of the outdoor events that go on in the Phoenix surrounding the area. I want to I want to be at more of those. I didn't do it this year, but an upcoming year. 2020 around uh, October, I plan to get connected with more of those events where I have my food cart out. Um, you know, just selling my food. What I'm one of the things I'm hoping to do is to bring merlin style seafood here, and specifically the Merlin crab Cake. Yeah, that's what I want to bring. That's what I want to bring here. But crab meat is you know a little pricey, so it's not going to be for everybody. It, it might not be something I do every every time I go out, but I do want to offer the Maryland crab cake to people out here in Phoenix or from other areas that really just don't know what a good crab cake tastes like. If you get a crab cake and it has onions and green peppers and all that in it, nah. Let me say that that's not a Maryland crab cake. That may be somebody <laughs> else's crab cake, <laughs> but it ain't a Maryland crab cake. And in the Maryland area, during the Chesapeake Bay, we're known for for, for for crabs and crab cakes. And you you from the state of New York, correct?
6: So I was born in New York, but I actually grew up in Virginia. So having that food oh, kind of food okay. that I'm used to.
5: Okay. So you're used to that?
6: 100%. Okay. Yeah, I okay. love I mean, Crab cakes, and it's so funny, too, because I will occasionally buy some here Cook them up or, or order them somewhere, and it's good, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Like it just it, it, doesn't. Right, it's not the same. Right,
5: it's, it's not the same. It's just not the same. I go out to uh MeCombs or Lili's, which are Asian supermarkets out here, and you can I can actually buy the blue crab. So every time I, I get a taste for some crab, I go out there and buy twelve or so and steam them up, and they're not bad but it's not the same. I tend to believe it's the water on that side of the country.
6: Yeah.
4: Uh,
5: the Chesapeake Bay and everything else actually comes from the Atlantic Ocean. And you can only get blue crab out of the Atlantic Ocean. You can't get blue crab no else. You can get crab out of the Gulf of Mexico, which feeds from the Atlantic Ocean. Because a lot of times in the wintertime on the East Coast and other places, you can get blue crab from Louisiana, but I'm going from Mexico, but that's because it comes from that part of the country. You cannot get blue crab in the Pacific Ocean and nothing else that's connected to it. You can get dangerous crab, but not the blue crab. So, like you said, it's not the same. It's just not. <laughs> right. It's not the same. Definitely not. It's so funny that you I'm going to have to make you some crab taste, Greg. I'm going to have to make oh, you some you crab know, taste and,
6: uh, I will. and bring it to the event. Big smile on my face for that, that's for sure. You know, <laughs> when I look at um, – I, I think back. So when I was in high school, we would go – every summer we would go to Myrtle Beach with a friend of mine's family, my family and their family, and one day for dinner they always bought – you could literally buy just a giant box of crab and right. and just this huge box and you would just open the box up sit there and just eat and you had to you had to crack it you had to do everything i mean it wasn't just you know a box of crab meat it was box of crabs already cooked and you and we just right. went and i just remember i remember two things obviously well three things the the work that went into it because you had to work for crab it's just not just there to, be, to eat yeah and i had to learn the first time i had to learn how to do that and then the um the, the mess that it made oh my god like a huge mess all over the place but it was so good it was so delicious and that's, that's the why we really call in love with crab yeah
5: that's the fun the fun of it like you say even though it's a, it's work because you got to crack it apart and pull the meat out and try to get meat out of the legs that's the fun of eating the Maryland crab that's the that's the joy of it you know it's work but it, to me that's the fun and, and most crab lovers that I know like the fact of cracking it open and, Pulling that leg out and a big chunk of meat come out with that leg and yeah, that's 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 the fun of it. Yeah, I yeah, but there. you're so right.
6: Like you never hear about you know, West Coast lobster, West Coast crab. Like it really does make a huge difference. Like it's not something that you hear a whole lot about. So yeah, it, it's 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 got to be something. Obviously, otherwise it'd be a bigger deal on on the West Coast because. Right. I don't see, you know, especially because, and you know how it is in Arizona, everybody. It seems like you know half this population is from somewhere else, and so you know yeah. people are going to want to have the food that they had elsewhere and bring it back there. And that's the great thing about you looking to do crab and things like that is you're going to bring it to these people here who have never had it. You're also going to have people that are jumping at it because it reminds them of home, or something that they just can't get here the way and, and so that's another aspect of it too you're not just going to bring people something new you're going to bring in new people because it's something that they love yep is, yes, sir. Is one thing I noticed that you, you tend to bring something different each time like, like every time there's a main food item that you bring and you run out of it versus having a million different things it's like you, you've right. prepared one special thing for that event how do you come up with that stuff how, what, what, how do you think about these things
1: um,
5: I actually it's been a few times I asked people what would you not a full lot but I've done a few times. Uh, what what would you all like? And, and then I try to get creative and just uh, and just um, thinking of different things myself. Saying hey, if I was at a wrestling event, what would I like? What would I do? Do I want the same old uh, just? Hot
3: dogs.
5: You know, just the same old plain hot dogs. I got a few ideas that I'm gonna do some upcoming events I got uh I plan to sell some shrimp fried rice. Um I'm gonna nice. do some uh, street tacos but I'm gonna put a twist on it. I got quite a few yeah. ideas that I'm gonna do and I just don't wanna do the same old hot dogs at wrestling events and I try to make it I try to make my food uh my food Affordable because if you're a family and you bring yourself, your wife, and say your two kids uh, to the show, right? Um, you don't want to have to. You don't want to spend seventy dollars on food to feed them. So I try to make my food affordable. Where though I can make a couple dollars, because I am there to make money but also uh, uh, make it affordable for people. That's why, like, I've been to events uh, and the wrestling event here and at another show, I just want to mention the name, not nothing I sold food at, but they were selling sodas for $2. I think mm. you can, because I know what that costs, what you pay for when you buy a certain amount, you can make, you can make money for of selling that soda for a dollar, and that's what I do. I sell my drinks for a dollar and my water for a dollar. I just say $2 is too much. And that's just my opinion. Like, if you were buying a, a, a drink for yourself, your wife, and your two children, that's $8 you spent on, on just drinks. We ain't got about food. So I just try to make my food affordable, and I try to change it up. And I'd be laying in bed sometimes and be saying, "Man, I'm gonna serve this at this event." Or um, now if I if I sell food at an event for the very first time, I always do hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Always do hot dogs, and then based on the crowd, I will change it up the next time. And and I plan to evolve every time. Every every time, for example, if I do your event. I'm gonna have something different every time, and if and if it's a, a success, then I might do it twice, might do it three times, it just depending on how successful it is. But I like to, I like, you know, I want my food to be good, and I want it to be affordable. Not only do I want them to look forward to coming to the wrestling event, but I want them to look forward. Okay, Chef Daryl Mack will have some food there. I've had a couple of wrestling fans that follow me on uh, Facebook. And they will, the night of the show, or sometime during the show, they say, "What you selling this this time?" And I go ahead and tell them, and be like, "Oh, okay." So you know what you're getting yourself into and you come. Right. Up, you can eat before you get there, or wait to <laughs> eat when you get there. So I prefer they wait exactly. to eat when they get there. Like I just try to make myself good and affordable.
6: Yeah, which and I, and I, you're so right. Like Obviously going into putting on wrestling shows Concessions was something that I thought about And how can we do concessions And how can we do all that And I would never dream of selling soda For more than a dollar per, per can like, I think that's the price in terms of The convenience factor The profitability is still very high Like It just makes sense Two dollars a can, that's just like You don't really care about your audience When you're selling it for two dollars right. a can like, it's, there's,
5: there's that balance you know?
6: There's yeah, that balance You've got to I care just, about the people who are there Right,
5: because I would rather I don't rather sell volume and make some money selling uh, you know 50 cans of Coke at a dollar and make some money, and my customers are happy opposed to trying to sell uh, 25 cans at two dollars, right. and my customers thinking they, they buy because they're thirsty, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking, man, this is way too much. I'm not. Gonna,
6: I'm not going to buy no more drinks from them. Right. And the difference the twenty-five cans it. that you bought is maybe seven dollars. So, yeah, right. it's 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 definitely it's that balance because you're you're building you because you and you're all about relationships and and you're all about in, right. you know, the, the interaction. You're not looking for one sale. You're looking to build a relationship with a customer who's always going to come to events who's going to see you. You almost want. People who are asking me, hey, Daryl's going to be at the IZW show, right? Like, that's what you're looking to get to, where, where people are wanting to know if you're going to be there. Absolutely. Not only that,
5: because, I, you know, I do cater. Somebody might say, you know what, I'm getting married in the next month or two. Can you cater our event? I do private chef service. Can you, you know, my wife and I anniversary coming up. Can you come to my home and cook for us? Like you said, I'm trying to build relationships. Right long a long-term, um, long-term growth, even if I'm not in a wrestling event. And they see, uh, cause like I said before, one of my goals is to buy a, a food uh, truck. They know mm-hmm. I'm going to be on the corner of 16th and Baseline. They're familiar with me at their wrestling event, but you know what? I like that guy right there. He's fat, yeah, and his food is always good. Let's go on 16th and Baseline and get some food from him.
6: Exactly. That's the way to do it right there. Like you there.
5: say, I, I'm in the build I'm in the building I'm into building relationships.
6: Yeah. Long term customers. You want you want customers that have been coming to you for years and, and coming to the wrestling shows and I want people that have been coming to IZW shows for years. So it, it all right. makes perfect sense to me. You mentioned Memphis, Tennessee, and you talked about getting back to that. Um, and the time you spent there. What is it about Memphis, Tennessee that that, that you wanted to talk about?
5: Oh man, there's no place like the Dirty South, as they call it, just the Southern hospitality. And I had a chance, uh, talk about wrestling a little bit, I had a chance to work for a guy named Corey Matthews. And at the time, him and a guy by the name of Randy Hales ran the wrestlers in Memphis, Tennessee. It was called Power Pro at the time, along with Gary Long. So I had a chance to be with, you know to be around them And get to know, get to some behind the scenes of wrestling. Uh, Downtown Bruno, which was a manager in the the, the WWE or WWF at the time, he and I became good friends. But the hospitality in the South, if I had to go back on that side of the country, Memphis definitely would be one of the places that I would consider uh, going back to. I had a good life in Memphis, Tennessee. My father's originally from a small town outside of Memphis called Somersville, so that's my connection there. I had family there, and we raised our two sons in Memphis, Tennessee. But not only did I get a chance to just experience a lot of the southern hospitality, I got a chance to involve myself in wrestling, which is a uh, another love of mine. I'm a wrestling fan. Not only do I sell right. food, in, I'm a fan
6: of it. Yeah, and growing up right. in the Baltimore area, I mean, that's an area where wrestling history is is just. I mean, that's some of the most the, the biggest moments in the business history took place in Baltimore.
5: Well, I don't know if I ever told you this, but in 1977, in the Baltimore Civic Center, I was uh, I was at, I was in Baltimore when. Um, when Bruno San Martino lost the, the title to Superstar Billy Graham, I was there. I didn't know how iconic it would be at the time, but mad was I'm glad I was there. The place was, you could hear a pin drop when Bruno lost that title to I Superstar bet. Billy Graham. Uh, they had literally rushed Superstar Billy Graham out of the arena because the fans went crazy. And they started throwing things because they just could not believe that Bruno San Martino lost a title to this heel that people love to hate. And I was a fan of Superstar Billy Graham, I just like his charisma. And at the time, you know, from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, they would, yep. they would uh, introduce some ads, and I didn't know. Years later, I would have some connection to Phoenix, Arizona. But yeah, that's where he uh, from, and it was a great match. And just being there, you could feel the electricity in the air. You know, because WWF at the time, that's when you still had territories, and that that was their area. You know, the Northeast, they dominated the Northeast. So I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it, growing up in that area.
6: Oh, yeah. I've, my, all of my early wrestling events were at, you know, the National Coliseum on Long Island, New York, and, and then uh, on the MSG Network. Uh, some of my, my meds with my dad are watching wrestling and all of that. And in Virginia, you know, the Red Coliseum was a NWA territory, and so that's when I got in all the four wow. Games match live, and, and seeing, you know, those events is something that, that I will, you know, has a big influence on on me and, and, and what I've been around. Um, and of course that area, like growing up watching the NWA and WCW, so much of the Baltimore arena, which has now been been renamed, um, but, but it's still there. And, and, you know, and I always remembered because that was a somewhat unique of a setup for an arena at the time, especially, and, and seeing that. And you always knew like when they were at the Baltimore arena, something was going to happen. Something big was, gonna happen. Yes. was uh, fun to see and, and, and fun to be a part of and really loved seeing that. And have experience, but yeah, growing up in that area, just so much history up and down. It's you talk about Bruno lost to superstar Billy Graham, and you can hear a pin drop because fans today, you know, they think back to WrestleMania 30 when The Undertaker finally lost you know, to Brock Lesnar, and just the shock that everybody had because the streak had been going on for so long. But like, no one went to the Baltimore into that day expecting Bruno to lose. Like that was just you were going to see Bruno and. You know, Bruno was the hero, and and to have him lose that way, I mean, yeah. I could only imagine the shock and and awe in that building on that night.
5: It it was, uh, you know, looking back, man, that was, uh, it was great, let me put it that way. It was a shock factor because nobody, nobody saw it coming. The only thing that May would have possibly given a clue, now that I look back, is the fact that they had cameras there. They had TV cameras there. Um, So that may would have given it away a little bit, but still nobody thought the superstar Billy Graham would have uh, beat Bruno for the title because at that time, I think, and I could be wrong, Bruno had the title maybe eight years. Well, he lost it to Ivan Koloff, I believe, in the early 70s. Right. But he had 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 it a long time. And, you know, everybody expected Bruno to to, – Retired with the title, not losing the superstar. But th- later on, that I learned, listening to Superstar Billy Graham podcast, that Bruno was tired. He needed a break. So uh, Superstar Billy Graham was next in line. Let me say
6: that. Yeah, no, he had hold it, held it. Um, he did lose it to Ivan Koloff, and and you know he he lost it in seventy one to Ivan Koloff. Then he lost it in seventy seven. So he had held that title. Um, you know the first time it was eight years the second time it was four years that's just unheard of but you know they they knew what it was like when he lost Ivan Koloff in New York so I'm also not surprised they didn't have him lose again in New York and instead did it in in Baltimore (laughs) because having him lose in New York it it was just probably not would not have gone over well but yeah two reigns one eight years and one four years you just don't see those things anymore in, in in professional wrestling so Absolutely insane, but you've seen so much. What you know with with all your with with the food endeavors and the business and everything, you know as you wrap things up here, um, what do you you talked about the dream? Like you know, and, and as you're marching towards that and chasing the dream, what is your ultimate goal with all this? With what, my food.
5: Yeah. Oh. I want to say. Let me see, I guess to be a millionaire number one, but number two, um I want a small restaurant, I want a food truck, and one of my goals is to also own because I actually had some before I want some vending machines because I'm looking for different streams of income right um but you know my 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 food is my primary. I really want to bring merlin style seafood out here. To Phoenix, and, and I want to be known as that guy. If you want authentic Merlin-style seafood, which, when it comes to shrimp, it's the seasoning, and we steam shrimp in, in Baltimore. We don't boil shrimp. Most places boil shrimp. We don't do that. Right. We steam our shrimp. Um, so between steaming and the seasonings that go on uh, the shrimp, which makes it Maryland-style seafood. I want to be known for that guy, you know, whether you're having a, a party and you need somebody catered to cater the party and you want seafood, I'm that guy, Chef Daryl Mack of Repsy's Kitchen Cuisine. Call If you're coming in, you know, you you, coming, you got some friends coming in town and you want to treat them well and you know they like crab cakes, go to that crab cake guy, Chef Daryl Mack. Repsy's uh, kitchen cuisine. Call him. He gonna have the best crab cakes out here. The best authentic crab cakes. That's my hundred percent. I want to build. A, um, I, I want you know. Ultimately, I want to build a culinary empire out here in Phoenix. Um, yeah. Because see, out here in Phoenix, what I learned is you get one shot at the people because there's so many places to eat. You get one shot at at doing a good job now. I don't care what you do, how good you are, how, you know, you 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 have a mindset of being the best. Somebody's is not gonna like your food. That's just what it is. But you want to have more people liking it than you have people disliking it. Mm-hmm. So my ultimate goal yeah. is to build a culinary empire out here and to make people happy and to make people smile. Matter of fact, if you are depressed, I, wanna be, be, I want it to be I to be if you're having a, a bout of depression, and I'm not making, I'm not making light of people, you know, having depression. But what I'm saying is, if you uh, are depressed, let me go get one of the Maryland crab cakes to get myself back together. <laughs> right. I want to be like that. I want to want to be like that. So that's pretty much. Oh yeah. What it is. No, I love it.
6: I definitely love it, and 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 food is a huge part of everybody's lives, and so I think that's going to be going to be good, Daryl. At Chef Daryl Mack on social media, definitely follow him there. Reach out for, you know, find out where he's going to be next. Of course, if there's an Impact Zone show, you know he's going to be there, but there's plenty of other places you can find him. Also available for catering. If you're looking to hire a private chef for for one of your events or a special date of some kind, Daryl as well can be there, at Chef Daryl Mack. Daryl, we um, one of the things, two, two things before we finish up, I always request a specific song to play for a guest before I bring them on. And, and you requested
5: Frankie Beverly feeling. Um, why, what, what made you pick that song? I like that song because for the most part, even despite the fact that after being married for 30 years and my wife passed away, I'm a happy guy. And I try to wake up in the morning, um, with a smile. Uh, I, I like being happy, man. I like to see people happy. Life is way too short to walk around mad at somebody. Life is way too short to walk around holding brothers to somebody, you know, with somebody. Um, I just like that happy feeling. And that song just, you know, listen to it. It has a happy feeling to it. And I just like that. That's just my personality. I
6: love it. Uh, it makes perfect sense, and I'm not surprised by any of that. Definitely love love to hear that and can can fully appreciate it. Every interview that I do, I want everyone listening to walk away with a lesson and something that they, they can apply in their own lives, and, and, and yours is no different. Earlier, when you talked about um, you know waiting 10 years and finally going to school, you made a comment about coming out of your comfort zone because you had worked as a maintenance engineer for so long, but cooking was your passion and you needed to, to 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 tackle that and come out of your comfort zone to do it. So for you, and what I want people to learn from this is, is come out of your comfort zone because life is so much different on the other end of it, and I really think that that's something that you've taught us and, and taught a lot of people here, so I appreciate that about you and I appreciate that about your experiences as well, and I really hope that people – Come to know and come to come to grow from that as well. So awesome job there, Daryl! Can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your stuff with people. Hope people get to know you. Find you on social media at Chef Daryl Back. And of course, things just keep continuing to, to grow and, and, and get better for you.
5: Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me, Greg. And I hope we continue to do business um, for years to come. I hope I hope your show grows with those, uh, you putting on a show every month. You put on a show every yeah. month. You eat, I eat, we all eat.
6: <laughs> You're not the only one. At, at the February show, I've told this story on air before. Um, towards the end of it, the very end of it, the the wrestler who won won the, the Monster Battle Royal, Watson, was was doing a, a an interview to talk about his match that was going to take place in May, and he accidentally said March, and the people started chanting we want March. And, and so that, you know, made me feel really good because here we are running <laughs> four shows a year and, and people literally chanting that they want us to run every month. So definitely something to, to look at in the future, but you know, obviously right now nobody's running anything, but we're going to get back to that point and, and I'm really excited for when we do. So awesome stuff. Well,
5: thank you, Daryl. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Greg. Have a great day. All right.